Good afternoon and welcome to the next session of the Fit Finance sessions. So um, today we're going to talk about uh, lifetime allowance and we've lost our fellow comrade Tim this week. So it's just myself and Henry. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Henry, why don't you kick us off and talk about, everyone talks about the lifetime allowance, which is the cap for how much you can have in pensions, but it's changed a lot over the years um, and there's various protections. So why don't you just run down kind of what happened and what you could have done over time to, to sort of uh, lock yourself in, so to speak. I, I can you because because this whole thing came up in the last budget actually, where um, where Rishi said the lifetime allowance now was now going to be was now going to be frozen. So yeah, the lifetime allowance was, was uh, initially arranged back at A Day, um, which was two thousand six, so um, fourteen years or so, fifteen years or so ago. Um, and when it was when it was initially um, brought out. It then grew in value quite swiftly. Actually, it started at a million, grew in value quite swiftly to 1.8 million. And as you say, what the the deal was, this was the amount of money you could save in a pension um, before further tax charges were made. And the and the further tax charges they remain the same. So if your pension exceeds this figure, the excess, if you take it as a lump sum, is taxed at 55 percent. Or if your pension remains in drawdown, you just pay 25% tax charge. But obviously, then you pay income tax on any money that you draw out of your pension further on down the line. But it got to 1.8 million. The government decided that was a little bit too generous. And so they started cutting it back. Um, and it went from 1.8 to 1.5 million to 1.25 million and then down to 1, 1 million. And at each of those stages, they brought out pension protection um, so and the first the first style that they brought out was fixed protection and what fixed protection allowed you to do was to fix your lifetime allowance at 1.8 million but the caveat was you couldn't save any more money into your pension um, beyond that then the, a new fixed protection was brought in at 1.5 million and again and you couldn't contribute any further and then another one at 1.25 million was just picked up people whose pensions were approaching those values at, at those times. When the one point, when the when the allowances were brought down all the way to one million, um, they also brought in a, a new protection um, called. Actually, they brought in when it, when it came down to one point five, called individual protection. And what individual protection allowed you to do was to continue um, paying into your pension. But, it, but your lifetime allowance was then at the upper of what the lifetime allowance was at that date um, or the value of your pension was at that date. So you could continue to contribute, but in the knowledge that you're going to be creating a, a future allowance, a lifetime allowance charge for you. Um, those protections are still available. In fact, individual protection you can still take out. Um, not many people do now because we're a few years down the line from, from when it was introduced back in 2016. It might start to come back into focus because, the, as I say, the, the pension allowance has dropped to a million and now it's risen to, how was I to check? It's a very specific number, 1.0731 million pounds. So 1 million and uh, 73,100 pounds. Um, and that's now been capped. And I think Rishi said it's going to be frozen now for at least the next three or four years, after which point it might start to, to rise with inflation again. And it'd be interesting to uh, interesting to see. Yeah, I think um, 
when George Osborne got into power, he found it a nice, easy way to um, push through some austerity by uh, cutting cutting the allowances and getting getting a, a higher tax rate. I think there were some, um, it's a long time ago now, but there was also primary and enhanced protection, which were actually more generous, I think, than, than those two and allowed you to either keep contributing, but there, there's, there's different rules around them. Um, but I think the ones we mostly see are the fixed and um, individual protection. But and if you've got fixed protection, it's always worth that taking out individual protection anyway, just in case you end up contributing and losing the uh, the fixed protection in, in the first place, which I have seen, particularly with there was a lot of uh, discrepancies, particularly with NHS schemes, where people thought they could stay in the scheme and keep contributing and and sometimes they were advised yes that was fine and if you haven't had that rechecked then often people have lost it so by taking out both you kind of um you've got to back up to to the fixed protection as, as well yeah. So, yeah that's always always useful. yeah they certainly when I, I used to do a lot of work with the na with the nhs consultants and it was it was a huge thing actually um getting the right protection in because consultants at the time um a number of them were getting like well, their pension was getting up close to 1.8 million um, back in 2012. Um, so yeah, it was, it, and it's a, it's it's a relatively complicated thing. It doesn't it seems straightforward, but it's working out how do you value a pension, and for um, for money purchase defined contribution schemes that that are so prevalent now, it's relatively straightforward. It's just simply the value of your pension. Um, but for defined benefit schemes, there's no lump of money there for you just to go. Oh, all right, that's how much it's worth. Um, so, so it's a so it's a it's a calculation that needs to be put together, which looks at twenty times the the value of the annual payment of your pension plus the lump sum um, for for any pensions taken after twenty thousand six, which will be most now. I, I presume I don't imagine many people have left their DB pension rights in the last fourteen years. So, um, so yeah, <clears throat> the other thing that I was I was going to touch on, Tom, what are your views on um, on 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 taking your taking your tax-free lump sum and crystallizing it before you get to 75 against the benefits of keeping it until you're 75. Yeah, and I think I think there's there's often a panic with clients when they're approaching those figures to they feel like there's there's a need to take action because there's a there's a deadline so to speak. But my view is actually um, you're better off only taking the action when you absolutely need to if you're below the lifetime allowance you're better off um taking as little tax-free cash as you need or always taking uh, a mixture of tax-free cash and income because then you can uh, you can effectively get more tax-free cash over time the, uh, i think the main benefit for me is if you do get to the lifetime allowance potentially taking your tax-free cash isn't a bad idea because that leaves less in the rest of the pot to compound so if there's only three quarters of a million growing as opposed to a million growing then the growth in excess of the lifetime allowance is less um, but um, it does bring money back into your estate for inheritance tax and potentially capital gains tax because you probably can't get it all in an ISA straight away particularly if you're taking 260k and something like that and you haven't built up those uh, allowances uh, elsewhere so yeah there there are some pros to doing it um, and it depends on what your expenditure is and there's always the risk they'll remove the tax-free lump sum so you're kind of banking it now um, but I, 
I always think that'll always be retrospectively, much like people with protected tax-free cash from years gone by have um, always been able to maintain that going forward. It's just if you change the contract for any reason. So, um, so, so yeah, I think there's pros and cons, and I think that's why it's important to get advice. I don't know what conversations you you have with your clients. Well, I think they're similar. I think the one thing that that that's not known so much, certainly by my clients, is the fact that once they've crystallized, the growth in their pension is then reassessed again when they get to to seventy five. So, you know, a lucky sixty year old who's reached one point zero seven million and crystallizes everything at that point, when fifteen years later their pension is going to be reassessed and the growth on it then yeah. will again attract a lot of charge. It becomes becomes an interesting question then of if you're going to go now how much income should you be trying to pull out given that you're going to pay income tax on it just to sort of get yourself out of the future um uh, lifetime allowance charge and and, and and the reality is i find with a lot of my clients there's no there's no straightforward answer um, and it, it it's linked to all the to a multitude of different things such as what income they need and who the money is going to go to in the end and, and if they're going to be drawing that income out, where it's going to be going? Because as you say, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be creating CGT liabilities for yourself uh, and bringing money into your estate to pay another forty percent on if 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 you don't need to. Um, and of course, legislation changes all the time. Who knows what whether or not the lifetime allowance might jump um, or indeed get pulled back, or whether our interest rate of income tax rates will go up or or go down. Or, yeah, and I think I think that's why it's always if you unless there's a specific reason to, you're better off just rolling with the status quo and then adapting and as things go. You can always play captain hindsight and go, well, are oh, they changed this and I should have done this at the time. But if you've got to play in the here and now because no one can predict the future, whether that's investment or tax tax wise. So I think, yeah, that there are times when if it's if it's six and two threes, it makes no difference either way. Then sometimes putting your flag in the sand now is a good idea. But equally, if if there's no real gain to be made, then sometimes just staying staying still. And it's, it's situational. If you're going to be spending that money, it doesn't, for example, it doesn't matter too much. If you're going to spend all the tax-free cash over the next five years of your retirement, then the inheritance tax problem goes away anyway. Um, but it, it's just, yeah, getting sound advice about what to do and what's relevant to you. There's no right or wrong. I think it's just having something you feel comfortable with at, at the end of the day. Yeah, quite right. Quite right. Well, that's uh, another interesting episode, as some would call it. Um <laughs> Um, if you have any specific questions on the lifetime allowance, if you're worried you might have lost it, then please get in contact with us. Um, it's relatively simple for us to perhaps go back and get individual protection for you. Um, and I've, I've often seen with clients, we've been able to save them significant sums just by filling out a piece of paper, just because it's never been thought about before. And I think if you're in these public sector schemes, it's not always been your your bag financially if you work in the teachers um pension scheme or, or in, in the nhs then um yeah just run it past us and yeah if we can save you 50 100 grand just by filling out a piece of paper then um, generally people are quite happy with that one yeah absolutely good until next time goodbye <laughs>